We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 590 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, June 8th, 2023, and the sale of the Commanders to the Josh Harris group is very much on track. Harris and the number two man in his group, Mitchell Rails, uh, they on Wednesday met with the NFL Finance Committee in New York. According to the Washington Post, the meeting lasted for about two and a half hours, and the meeting went well. Said one source to the Post, quote, it was very positive. It went really well. It's not done yet. But unless something crazy happens, it's going to get done and it will get approved, end quote. And added the Post, quote, unless there are any unforeseen setbacks from here, the NFL Finance Committee is expected to recommend approval of Josh Harris's $6.05 billion deal for the commanders, source said, and the owners could take a ratification vote in mid to late July, end quote. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I remain not at 100%. I actually have COVID. Uh, yeah, I have COVID. This is my first time having COVID, at least as far as I know. You know, <laughs> go figure. When everyone was getting COVID in 2020 and 2021, I, as far as I know, never got COVID. But now that we're in 2023 and the pandemic is over and we're in June, as opposed to, say, December, I have COVID. I mean, it makes no sense. Who knew? Uh, but I tell you, this news on Wednesday of this meeting for Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails with the NFL Finance Committee was beautiful news. How do you not feel better upon hearing or reading that news? If you have COVID, this news was better than any prophylactic, uh, was better than any vaccine, was better than any injection of bleach <laughs> could ever be, okay? Uh, you know, July usually is the deadest sports month of the year. July this year could be one of the greatest sports months in Washington, D.C. history. Well, coming up on the show, uh, lots from day two of the Commander's three-day mandatory minicamp. I have a lot for you from head coach Rod Rivera, who did a pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning. The presser lasted for more than 15 minutes. Uh, next segment, I'll discuss a bunch of stuff that Ron said regarding the Commander's offense, including whether the Commander's this coming season will be able to win games in ways other 
than by employing the formula. You know the formula, right? We, over the last few years, have heard a good bit about the formula. Uh, Is our team's offense this coming season going to be maybe possibly advanced past the formula? Uh, Boy, I hope so. Uh, Also, next segment, Ron on the team's revamped offensive line and on someone who's turning quite a few heads in these offseason practices, tight end Cole Turner. Now, I know this time of year, every year, We hear about someone turning people's heads or even multiple players turning people's heads. But, you know, it's not like these players always end up doing nothing. Last year at this time, a lot of praise for receiver Jahan Dotson, and he ended up having a very nice 2022 rookie season. Are we in store for a breakout second NFL season from Cole Turner? Uh, And then after all of that, Ron Rivera talking commander's defense, including the possibility of the team's top two edge defenders, Montez Sweat and Chase Young having big 2023 seasons in terms of sacks. What if Montez and Chase, what if the men known as Tez and CY uh, both kill it this coming season? How great would that be? Well, assuming that they're both still on the team and that uh, Chase is not traded. Uh, Also on the show, my thoughts on uh, decisive losses for the Nationals and Orioles on Wednesday night. Uh, The Nats got ripped by the National League West leading Arizona Diamondbacks 6-2 at Nationals Park. Uh, The O's got smashed at the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers 10-2. All right, before we get to some feedback, two things. Number one, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, They now have a 2-1 lead in the NBA Finals, a 109-94 win at the Miami Heat on Wednesday night. The Joker, Nikola Jokic, another triple-double, his 10th this postseason, extending his NBA record for triple-doubles in a single postseason. He and Jamal Murray had triple-doubles in this game. In fact, Jokic and Murray became the first teammates in NBA history, regular season or postseason, to have 30-point triple-doubles in the same game. Number two, uh, very sad news on Wednesday morning. Sad news especially for this podcast. Uh, We learned that the Iron Sheik has died. Uh, I heard from so many of you about the passing of the great one, the Iron Sheik. Uh, He was 81. Uh, The Iron Sheik, a pro wrestling legend of the 1980s. Now, the Iron Sheik in more recent years became like a cult hero uh, with his appearances on the Howard Stern Show. Uh, He also was on the Jerry Springer Show. Uh, He also gained a lot of attention via his Twitter account, which he almost certainly didn't run himself, by the way. Uh, but which has been hysterical. Uh, So many hilarious tweets, especially about sports, actually. Uh, And of course, the Iron Sheik, very much a hero of this podcast, because arguably his most famous catchphrase is one of my favorite drops. You know it. We love it. Make him humble. Make him humble. That is correct, Sheiky baby. Make him humble. But you know, the Iron Sheik was not just some cartoon character. His real name was Hossein Khazro Ali Vaziri. Uh, he gained his most fame as an anti-American heel, an anti-American bad guy in the mid-1980s in feuding with Hulk Hogan in the then World Wrestling Federation, the then WWF, what is now WWE. But the irony of that is that the man who played the Iron Sheik actually served as an assistant coach for the U.S. Olympic wrestling team in 1972 and 1976. 
Uh, he famously had a massive drug problem. Uh, the stories of the Iron Sheik and cocaine are legendary. Pro wrestling in the 1980s was filled with guys uh, doing cocaine and other recreational drugs in addition to steroids and human growth hormone. Uh, the Sheik and an on-screen rival, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, famously got arrested together. Uh, May 1987, they got pulled over on the Garden State Parkway by a trooper who said that he saw Duggan drinking beer. The trooper also checked luggage in the car, found three grams of cocaine in bags belonging to the Iron Sheik. This gained a lot of attention at the time, not just because of the arrest, but because this exposed the business, right? Two guys who supposedly didn't like each other traveling together. Uh, and uh, our guy Sheiky Baby ended up losing his job uh, with the WWF. Uh, he also, in his life, dealt with tragedy. Uh, the Iron Sheik's daughter, Marissa Jean Vaziri, was murdered in May 2003. She was just 26. She actually was murdered by her boyfriend. So, the Iron Sheik did not live an easy life. He became sort of a punchline in recent years, but he actually did a lot uh, in his career and in his life. He was not perfect, okay? But uh, who among us is? Uh, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he on Wednesday afternoon on his Twitter account uh, put out a great tribute to the Iron Sheik. So rest in peace to our guy, Sheiky Baby, and he will continue to be immortalized on this podcast. Make him humble! Yes, there you go. Thank you. Uh, you. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Mike on something that came up on Tuesday's show, episode 588, with our guest, Pro Football Focus senior data analyst Nick Ackridge, uh, who, in discussing his breakdown of quarterback Sam Howell for pff.com, said that Ron Rivera last season should have played Sam sooner than week 18. Uh, writes Mike. Who in the middle of a playoff chase voluntarily goes to a rookie who has never taken a snap in the NFL? The team was in the number seven spot in the NFC going into week 17. In context, I have no problem with the team not starting Howell earlier. The reluctance to start him in week 18 was ridiculous. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Mike. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I actually was in favor of the commanders going back to Carson Wentz <laughs> as a starting quarterback for uh, what ended up being that disastrous loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in week 17. Uh, more wrong, I could not have been. But I actually thought that going back to Carson made sense. Uh, knowing all that we now know, yeah, uh, you would have loved to have seen Sam Howell start that game against the Browns. But that's easy to say now. Uh, as Steve Spurrier said during his time as Redskins head coach, hindsight's always 50-50. Yeah, hindsight's always 50-50. Yes, exactly. Not 20-20, but 50-50. Uh, uh, email from Ted on a means of celebrating Dan Snyder's 24-plus year reign of ownership of the Skins slash Washington football team slash commanders soon coming to an end. Subject, parade time nearing. Writes Ted. Sounds like the Josh Harris deal will happen within the next month or so. And I can't think of anyone better than you to keep your pod peeps updated on what is sure to be a wild and wonderful, if haphazardly organized, good riddance Dan parade. Josh won't get involved, of course, but he'll surely secretly enjoy the parade. Since one of his teams, the 76ers, plays in the city that has one of the most historic, raucous, and colorful bashes in the country, the annual Mummers Parade on New Year's Day. Revelers spend much of each year just creating new costumes, and the people don't just march and throw beads a la Mardi Gras in New Orleans, but the people actually perform spectacularly in the streets of Philadelphia. 
Of course, the Good Riddance Dan Parade won't be as organized as the Mummers, and it's doubtful that the local authorities would sanction official parade routes down Pennsylvania Avenue or Constitution Avenue in Washington, D.C., or in the parking lots of FedEx Field, though Dan himself might okay it and charge $50 for parking. (laughs) And no cavorting with Don Ron waving from the team's offices in Ashburn, Virginia. Maybe the Yacht Basin in Annapolis, Maryland, if the S.S. Snyder is in port. The parade organizers could borrow coronation carriages from Dan's new hometown of London. Wherever the parade is held, there probably won't be masked Dan haters throwing beads or small rubber hogs, but I can visualize, just for fun, a string of floats carrying small princes and princesses such as Mary Jo White, Scott McLuhan, Jay Gruden, Mike Shanahan, Beth Wilkinson, and the triad of Fred Smith, Dwight Shar, and Bob Rothman. Grand Marshal, Chris Cooley, in a Roger Goodell mask, maybe. So Al, since you closely follow the Durs so that we don't have to, can you be our update guy on the what's, when's, and where's of the Good Riddance Dan Parade? Uh, thank you for the email, Ted. You know, I absolutely will be monitoring the Good Riddance Dan Parade. Although, I gotta tell you, hearing all of this talk, serious or facetious, about a parade for the sale of the Commanders makes me think of the March on Ashburn. Do you remember the March on Ashburn? The March on Ashburn happened in March 2017 off then Skins team president Bruce Allen firing a friend of this podcast, Scott McLuhan, as general manager. Uh, The idea was that Skins fans were so disgusted, so fed up with what was going on with the team. And so there was going to be a March on Ashburn, a gathering of fans at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. The March on Ashburn was to have happened over two days, Friday, March 10th, 2017, and Saturday, March 11th, 2017. Do you know what happened with the March on Ashburn? Nobody showed up. (laughs) According to USA Today, 15 people showed up to the Friday portion of the March on Ashburn. I would hope that more than 15 people would show up to a good riddance to Dan Snyder parade, but you never know with this stuff. Well, I do know that there is a better way to get your home and auto insurance, and that way is BMC insurance. The home and auto insurance markets are messes right now. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. You right now have every reason to shop your home and auto insurance, and that's why you should get with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com and you'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. Uh, What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. Uh, BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. Uh, It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And probably most telling, 
BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. When people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, Wednesday was day two of the Commander's three-day mandatory minicamp. Wednesday also was day two of this uh, air quality concern in the Washington, D.C. area. As you probably know, uh, we these last few days have had a bit of an air issue in the D.C. area. Uh, Air quality has plummeted uh, across much of the Northeast as smoke from wildfires in Canada uh, has moved south. Uh, there was concern on Wednesday morning over whether the commander should practice outside. Commander's head coach Ron Rivera did a pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning. Uh, this was Ron on the air, uh, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. No, it's not an issue right now. Um, we looked at what's called the AQI, the Air Quality Index, and right now it, it is, it is uh, orange which is there is some concern. Uh, we, we reached out to our, our, our doctors, our, our medical personnel, and asked about you know what our options are as far as practicing today and tomorrow, and probably our last one next week as well. We'll probably have to keep continue to monitor it. But the big thing that we've seen is that the number is not in, 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 a, in an area where it's really uh, considered dangerous. Uh, two is what's, what's co- 200 is what's con- considered bad from, from what I've been explained. Uh, and so we're, we're obviously looking at that. Um, we're going to talk to the players before we go out there and tell anybody that has respiratory concerns. You know, obviously we would excuse. Um, or if they start feeling, you know, any, any issue during workout, you know, we'll, we will, we will send them inside. Um, and then we'll have to consider tomorrow potentially going inside the bubble of practice, which if we, if we can avoid it, we will. But if not, you know, if the air quality becomes a little too concerning, then we most certainly will go in. But we've, we've looked at it. We've talked to the medical personnel. And as of right now, we're okay. Um, again, the only concern what we would have for anybody is that anybody that does have a uh, respiratory concerns like asthma or something. Um, should you have to go into the bubble tomorrow, it's one thing to do it in season with 53 guys, but with this many people, how much of a, I don't know, limitation, how much does that limit what you guys can do? It would probably limit some of the things in terms of having to share this field and, and split it. Um, we would probably have to limit some of the um, some of the other drills that we have and, and really just get to the meat of the practice as, as soon as we're warmed up, properly warmed up and ready to go. You know, it has been quite the last few days in the D.C. area. Uh, we on Sunday had the sonic boom. We on Tuesday and Wednesday had this uh, air quality situation. Uh, well, speaking of the air, uh, Washington for years now has had problems throwing footballs in the air. Uh, Washington for years now has had problems with the passing game. Uh, the hope, of course, is that the passing game this coming season will be much improved. Uh, we have Eric Bieniemy as the team's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. Uh, we have Sam Howell being positioned to be the team's starting quarterback with a capable backup and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, we, over these last two seasons, have become familiar with the formula 
uh, which is what Rod Rivera has called Washington's way of winning. Uh, Good defense, lean on the running game, limit turnovers. Uh, The formula can work and has worked, but the formula is an antiquated way of trying to win in the NFL. This was Ron on Wednesday morning on if the commanders this coming season might be capable of winning games in ways other than the formula. I believe so. You know, I, I, I think one of the things that, you know, with, with what we want to do offensively and, and, again, feeling pretty good about the quarterback position. I mean, not that we didn't feel good about it, you know, back then, but th- these are guys with a little different dimension. And if, if, if we, you know, if, if, if it is true and they do come through and do play the way that we hope that they, they, can, they can play, we believe they can play, um, with some of the things that we're doing on the offensive side, it most certainly could change and impact us uh, in a positive fashion. I think uh, some of the um, you know stuff that sitting down and listening to Eric talk about it, um, you know the excitement in which he talks about it is all is, is is great. But to listen to the strategy side of it and how he wants to attack and the way he wants to attack and the way he wants to use the throws and the way he wants to use the runs, there are there is some opportunities for us, and, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, make no mistake, you win in today's NFL with passing offense. Uh, 10 of the top 11 passing offenses in the NFL in the 2022 regular season per Football Outsiders DVOA metric made the playoffs. Uh, Running the ball is great, but the most reliable path to success in today's NFL is passing offense. And keep in mind that DVOA is a rate stat. So doing passing offense well doesn't necessarily mean throwing a ton of passes. Doing passing offense well means that on a per-play basis, the passing offense is effective. Uh, Here are Washington's rankings in passing offense per DVOA for each of the last five regular seasons. 2018, number 29. 2019, number 29. 2020, number 32, as in dead last. 2021, number 22. 2022, number 26. Uh, Those are what we call (laughs) hideous, awful rankings, okay? Uh, Now, I am happy to report to you that the commanders in these offseason practices open to reporters have been spending a lot of time on passing. Uh, Here was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on why the commanders have been spending so much time on passing as opposed to running. Well, two things, um, mostly on the offensive side, is getting the throws for the quarterbacks more than anything else. Um, this is a precision offense. You know, a lot of it has to do with timing and, and accuracy, um, you know, putting the ball where it needs to be, be thrown. Um, and then quite honestly, secondly, is one thing is that, um, you know, in, in sitting out and talking with the coaches, that if we limit the, the run game right now, uh, when we're actually doing some of the competitive stuff, uh, it's going to limit the collisions. And so, you know, we got whacked last year, lost a couple of uh, practices and stuff. And, you know, we're, we're trying to limit those collisions. And, and, you know, it's one of the things that we got to constantly remind our guys is that we're not asking them to compete for the ball right now. And so just trying to be careful with them. Uh, yes, the Commanders got docked to two OTA practices for this offseason. Uh, we last June 17th learned that uh, the NFL 
had fined Rod Rivera $100,000 in a trip to team of two OTA practices for the 2023 offseason, this due to there having been excessive contact during the team's 2022 offseason program. Well, it's going to be hard for the commander's passing offense to be better if the team's offensive line isn't better. Uh, the team this offseason has remade the offensive line. Whether enough has been done uh, very much remains to be seen, but the new-look offensive line for now sets up to be as follows. Uh, Andrew Wiley at right tackle, Samuel Cosme at right guard, uh, Nick Gates at center with the possibility of Ricky Stromberg making a charge, uh, Sadiq Charles or Chris Paul at left guard, and Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle. Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on what he during Tuesday's minicamp practice saw from the commander's revamped offensive line, especially with Leno back at left tackle of having not attended the OTA practices of the previous two weeks. Well, I thought it was really good. I really did. You know, the, the, the nice thing is the depth is, is showing itself right now, and that's a huge plus for us because as far as the depth is concerned, you know, while Charles was out, you know, Cornelius Lucas, who has started for us, you know, in, in all three years he's been here with us, just stepped in and did, did the job that we know he's capable of. And if, if he has to become a starter again, he would come in and, and help us just like he has. So we feel good about that. What I've really enjoyed seeing is, the, is some of the young guys, younger guys that have gotten more more opportunities. You know, we've put Sam Cosme in one position and we've left him at that at, at right guard. And he seems to really settle in really nicely working alongside Andrew. Um, that was kind of cool to watch. And then um, looking at the left guard position, Sadiq has really done a nice job. But, you know, Chris Paul is really just nipping at the heels of all of our offensive linemen. Because one thing we found about Chris is, is that he has got great position flex. He's shown that he can play both guard positions, and we believe so. And there's some questions of whether he can do tackle. I mean, it's something we're going to look at once we get, you know, into the pads um, in the summer and see if, if he's, he's capable of that as well. So that, that's another huge plus. Um, then watching some of the depth things that we have going on at, at, at center. That, that's been another nice spot. You know, we brought in Trenton Scott as, as far as uh, another tackle backup, a guy that can help us in those situations. We, we drafted Braden because of that. Um, you know, we drafted Ricky because of that. We got Tyler, who's coming off the injury, who last year as our starting center, he was 6-1-1. One, one. So we feel good about the depth right now, and, you know, we got to get through it, stay healthy, obviously. And, um, you know, we, we think we're doing some things the right way. Hopefully, uh, because the Commanders' offensive line play last season was basically unacceptable. Uh, the Commanders finished the 2022 regular season number 27 in the NFL in team pass block win rate for ESPN and number 19 in the NFL in team run block win rate per ESPN. Uh, what about Eric Bieniemy? Could him running the offense help the offensive line be better? This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on that. Oh, most certainly. I, I think one of the things that, that is, is interesting is a lot of the stuff is, is being put on the quarterback and the center immediately. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, that Eric has in terms of tools for the quarterback to ID and identif identify things. Um, and so it'll be up to them to make sure they're communicating. Uh, that's one of the things that Sam and Jacoby um, and Jake, for the most part, all three of those guys have really picked up very quickly is, is how to help uh, identify stuff for the offensive line. Um, and then, and then also having the tools of, of being able to, to, to audible into something quicker to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands sooner. So there's a lot of positives that uh, Eric has, has has really been instilling in, in, in these guys, and they've seemed to have grasped it pretty well. Well, the Commanders this offseason have done quite a bit with the offensive line. They this offseason have not done much at tight end. Uh, one of the reasons may be a feeling 
that Cole Turner is about to bust out. The Commanders took Turner out of Nevada in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, he, in the 2022 regular season, played in 10 of the Commanders' 17 games. He was inactive for each of the team's first four games. He also missed three games due to a concussion. He ended up having just a two receptions on nine targets. But Cole Turner, for a second consecutive offseason, is standing out in these OTA and minicamp practices. Now, of course, that could turn out to mean nothing, but Cole Turner is very athletic, and he's impressive physically. Uh, he's listed as being 6'6 and 240 pounds. This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on Cole Turner, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Ben Standig. The thing about Cole, more so than anything else I've last year, was that uh, the injury was a major setback, and it did take a little bit longer to heal up. Um, and so the hard part for it was we really didn't see a guy, you know, that had a lot of potential coming in for us. Uh, what we have seen, obviously, has been he's had a great spring. He's been here almost the entire offseason um, on a voluntary basis, uh, doing the things that uh, he needs to do and develop. Um, one thing, as you've seen, is he's got a really good grasp of the offense so far. Uh, he's still learning it. But, uh, you know, he's, he's learning it quickly and doing the things that we need to have him do to, to be able to help us go forward. And sorry, just one more on, on Cole. With regards to, like, a young guy who you know, he played last year, but, you know, still learning. How do you know, at what point do you typically think you can tell this guy is ready to go to another level? When we're planning for the season, we know this guy, can get, we can give him more than maybe you're even thinking now. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, is, is them showing us what they've learned. You know, what they're doing out on the field. Um, and Part of it too is in, in this in this offense um, with what Eric's doing with players is being able to play more than just one spot. You know, in terms of the skill guys. You know, for the tight ends, there's you know there's the, there's the Y, there's the U, or the F. You know, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, you know, there's like about four or five different tight end positions. Um, that and having him be able to play one and go to the other, and play it as well. Um, I think that's the thing that we're looking at. So Cole Turner missed a lot of time last August due to a hamstring injury. He, in a post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon, revealed that the hamstring injury was worse than most people knew. But if he's healthy, you wonder if he might be a breakout player for the Commanders this coming season. One thing's for sure, the Commanders last season got way too little production from their tight ends. Logan Thomas, John Bates, Armani Rogers, and Cole Turner in the 2022 regular season combined for just 60 receptions. That was it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. More now from day two of the Commander's three-day mandatory minicamp. Uh, the number one focus on day one of the minicamp was Edge defender Chase Young as he practiced for the first time this offseason of having not attended the team's OTA practices of the previous two weeks. The word is that Chase has been looking pretty good as he continues to come back from the uh, badly injured right knee that he suffered in November 2021. But of course, how he's looking in non-padded minicamp practices versus how he does in games this coming regular season, it can be two very different things. But what if Chase this coming season is really good? Uh, we, over these last few seasons, have seen the team's other three first-round defensive lineman Blossom, uh, Jonathan Allen, who the team took in the first round of the 2017 NFL Draft, uh, Deron Payne, who the team took in the first round of the 2018 Draft, and Montez Sweat, who the team took in the first round of the 2019 Draft. Uh, John, Duran, and Montez all had very good 2022 seasons. Uh, Chase, who the team took with the number two overall pick in the 2020 Draft, hasn't had a good season since his 2020 rookie season. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning on if this coming season, for the first time, we could see John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young all have big seasons in the same season. I think so. I think if 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 everything comes together, and and it's and it's not necessarily just been you know putting it on the D line, but part of it has to do with some of the coverage stuff that we 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 struggle with. Um, but that seemed to really straighten itself out last year. Um, I think Jack and and again is and the defense that have done a really nice job with that stuff. Um, you know, with with mixing up some of the uh, coverages with some of the pressures, um, and then the development of some of the other younger players, especially the younger defensive backs. I mean. You know, uh, Defoe stepping up the way he has. You know, Cam continues to play like a, a solid veteran for us and, and, and productive guy. You know, you got Kendall out there who, who did some really good things for us last year. And, you know, if we can keep Benjamin on the field, who really showed that he has the potential to be a real physical corner for us, um, and then add on those young guys, I think that can be something that can really help, you know, the front as well. Interesting to hear Rod Rivera say what he said about corner Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, Yeah, he has had a hard time staying healthy. Uh, The Juice, over his two NFL seasons, has played in just 21 of a possible 34 regular season games for Washington. But back to Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So it's not fair to put Chase and Montez in the same category. Chase has had back-to-back disappointing seasons due to injury and underperformance. Montez has been very good in two of the last three seasons, and even his disappointing 2021 season wasn't as disappointing as Chase's. Uh, All of this said, there is another level to which Montez can get. Montez Sweat over his four NFL seasons, 2019 through 2022, has never had more than nine sacks in a regular season. This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on what the best edge defenders in the NFL do. They get to the quarterback. And and again, not necessarily getting him down as much as impacting the play. 
you know, forcing the quarterback to throw the ball sooner than he wants to, throwing the ball away, um, tucking it and running. Um, that's more the finishing. A lot of times, instead of just, hey, winning, but then getting washed by, you know, that, that that's not effective enough, you know, because all the quarterback does is step up and throw the ball or get a little more deeper and throw the ball. And so then when they talk about finishing, that's getting to the quarterback, impacting the quarterback, you know, getting him to move and impacting the play. Yeah, and hearing Ron Rivera right there reference an edge defender winning, but then not getting to the quarterback via the quarterback stepping up in the pocket, that is so reminiscent of the uh, lack of pass rushing discipline from Chase Young and Montez Sweat that Ron talked about during the 2021 season. Now, it's important to note that sacks aren't everything. Judging an edge guy solely on sacks is a dangerous thing to do. Sacks can be fluky. Sacks can be random. You have to look at a variety of things. Take Montez Sweat last season. So Montez for the 2022 regular season had eight sacks, uh, far from an overwhelming total, of course. But Montez for the 2022 regular season ranked tied for fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits with 28 and ranked tied for 13th in the NFL in tackles for loss with 14. Andy for the 2022 regular season had an overall grade for pro football focus of 86.4, which is great. Uh, PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. So you can't just go by sacks, but there's no doubt that the best edge defenders in the NFL do generate a lot of sacks. Uh, You think about the San Francisco 49ers' Nick Bosa. Uh, You think about the Cleveland Browns' Miles Garrett. You think about the Pittsburgh Steelers' TJ Watt. These guys have produced big-time sack totals. Chase Young was drafted to be a Bosa, a Garrett, a Watt. And Montez Sweat, while he wasn't a number two overall pick in an NFL draft as Chase was, uh, Montez was taken with a first-round pick that, remember, the Redskins traded for, okay? They traded back into the 2019 first round to take Montez. Uh, By the way, Montez on Wednesday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. Uh, Here were a few exchanges regarding him boosting his sack total. When it comes to finishing, how can you implement that and work on that? Get his ass down. (laughs) (laughs) For that to happen, you know, what kind of keys to that or is anything? I mean, just working better at the top of my rush. I think, uh, I think I, I I think I I know how to get to the QB. I think it's getting the ball off from or again down or whether it's making a counter or just bending at the top of my rush or anything of, of those sorts that I need to be implemented. All right. And this was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on what Chase Young and Montez Sweat generating more sacks would mean for the commander's defense. Well, I, I think the biggest thing, obviously, is is it's going to do one of two things: is is they're going to you know accumulate the sacks. Um, you know, last year we were pretty good on on third downs, and we we, we we really took a huge jump. And Jack and the staff did a hell of a job. But um, you know, add one more element to it, and and now it does impact the games uh, even more so for us, and creates even more opportunities to to have one you know to win a few more games. Well, look, the Commanders last season did have a really good defense. Uh, The Commanders for the 2022 regular season finished number nine in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric and finished number one in the NFL in third down defense. The four first round defensive linemen, John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young, all having good 2023 seasons, could make an already really good defense truly elite. It's exciting to think about what this defense could be.
Well, here's all that you need to know about the Nationals having a bad bullpen right now. A, the Nats on Wednesday designated for assignment, DFA'd a reliever for a second consecutive day. B, the Nats on Wednesday night saw one of the relievers replacing one of the DFA'd relievers give up a two-run homer. And C, the Nats on Wednesday night had three relievers combine to allow three runs in three innings. A 6-2 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park on Wednesday night in Game 2 of a three-game series. And that's now have lost seven of their last nine games and now are 25-36. and 36. Uh, That is the worst record in the National League. Uh, the Diamondbacks now have a two-game lead on the Los Angeles Dodgers atop the National League West. Uh, we on this podcast have been talking about the Nats struggling bullpen. Wednesday was another rough day. Uh, the Nats on Wednesday designated reliever Erasmo Ramirez for assignment and recalled reliever Corey Abbott from AAA Rochester. Uh, Ramirez in that 10-5 loss to the Diamondbacks on Tuesday night. Yet another rough outing. Uh, he officially allowed two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He faced six batters but got just two outs. Uh, also, the Nats on Wednesday afternoon announced that reliever Andres Machado had cleared waivers and been assigned to AAA Rochester. Uh, the Nats on Tuesday designated Machado for assignment and recalled reliever Jordan Weems from AAA Rochester. Uh, we in this 6-2 loss to the Diamondbacks on Wednesday night saw manager Davey Martinez used three relievers. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr., he in the top of the seventh, allowed a run. Uh, this on a leadoff single by Corbin Carroll to left field and a two-out first pitch RBI double by Evan Longoria to left field for a 4-2 Diamondbacks lead. Uh, Mason Thompson did then toss a perfect top of the eighth. That was nice to see. But then Jordan Weems in the top of the ninth allowed two runs in his return from AAA Rochester. Uh, he gave up a leadoff single by Cattell Marte to right field and gave up a two-run opposite field home run by Corbin Carroll to left center field for a 6-2 Diamondbacks lead. The homer went a projected 413 feet per stat cast. Uh, the plummeting of this Nats bullpen continues. The Nats for this regular season now have a relief pitching ERA of 489 and a relief pitching whip of 145. Uh, the former Diamondback, Patrick Corbin, uh, he was the Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday night. And boy, did he have a strange outing. So Corbin ended up having a quality start for the seventh time in 10 starts, uh, with a quality start being defined as no more than three earned runs allowed and no fewer than six innings pitched. He allowed exactly three runs in six innings. He did this despite allowing three runs in the top of the first and despite giving up 11 hits, three doubles, and eight singles. Uh, Corbin had four strikeouts versus one walk. He threw 98 pitches, 61 strikes versus 37 balls. Uh, Corbin, in the top of the first, allowed three runs on three doubles, a bunt single, and a stolen base. I mean, he got off to a horrendous start. Corbin gave up a leadoff first pitch, opposite field double by Cattell Marte to the right center field gap. Gave up a first pitch bun single by Corbin Carroll toward first base. We then had a stolen base by Carroll. Corbin then gave up a two-run double by Emmanuel Rivera to left field for a 2-0 Diamondbacks lead. And Corbin then gave up a one-out full count RBI double by Evan Longoria to left field for a 3-0 Diamondbacks lead. But then Corbin tossed scoreless second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. Now, he was lucky to only allow three runs in six innings. You give up 11 hits, uh, that is a recipe for giving up a lot more than just three runs. But uh, I give him credit. I mean, five scoreless innings following that three-run first. Uh, this was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Patrick Corbin. 
Yeah, I th- you know, I, I think this is something that, that we talked to him about is that they're going to come out and attack attack him because he knows he's going to be around the place and throw strikes, you know. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that we probably have to make an adjustment with him. Maybe maybe throw more off-speed pitches, don't attack with the fastball so early um, and just try to get him out at first inning. But once once he's out at first inning, he's been, he's been really good. And he's been really good, you know, for the most part all year long he really has so um i'm glad that he you know he settled down there and gave us you know six innings there um and, and did really well what do you think led to the fact that they were able to connect for so many hits off of him I think they're just they're just a good hitting team, you know. They they, they just they move the baseball, you know. And um, like I said, when 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 he gets the ball up in the zone, um, he gives up hits, you know. And he's got he's got to continue to work down. Yeah, Patrick Corbin does give up a lot of hits. Uh, the lack of swing and miss stuff has been a real problem for him in his decline of these last few seasons. Uh, Corbin now in this 2023 regular season, 13 starts, an ERA of 4.89, a WHIP of 152. Uh, those ERA and whip numbers are not good, but as we know, the bar with Corbin has become really low. I mean, Corbin for the 2022 regular season had an ERA of 631 and a whip of 170. So he so far this season actually has been <laughs> considerably better than he was last season, as odd as that may sound. A uh, bad night on Wednesday night for the Nats hitting. Uh, the Nats scored just two runs, totaled just seven hits, worked just one walk. Uh, six of the seven hits were singles, and Nats scored both of their runs in the bottom of the third. Luis Garcia as the Nats starting second baseman and number two batter went one for four. Uh, he and that Nats two-run third had an RBI infield single toward first base to cut the Nats deficit to 3-1. Uh, Joey Manessis did get on base three times. He is an ad starting DH and number four batter went two for three with two singles and a walk. Uh, Dominic Smith as an ad starting first baseman and number six batter went two for four with two singles. And props to Lane Thomas. He is an ad starting right fielder and number one batter went one for four with a double and had another outfield assist. Uh, Thomas in the Nats two-run third had a double off the right field wall, and Thomas in the top of the fifth had outfield assist. He threw out Corbin Carroll in his attempt to stretch a leadoff single to right field into a double. What was funny was that Thomas didn't even feel the ball cleanly, and yet he still gunned down Carroll. Uh, Although Thomas not fielding the ball cleanly uh, almost certainly is what prompted Carroll to attempt to stretch the single into a double. But Lane Thomas now, in this 2023 regular season, has six outfield assists. Game three against the Diamondbacks Thursday afternoon at 105. Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, the Orioles are in a bit of a rut. Uh, they've lost seven of their last 11 games. Uh, the O's do still have the third best record in the American League, but they're not playing as well as they had been. Wednesday night, an ugly loss, a 10-2 loss at the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers in game two of a three-game series. The O's now are 37-24. and uh, You start with Dean Kramer. Uh, he was the Orioles' starting pitcher on Wednesday night. He was bad for the first time in seven starts. Now, I'm not going to kill him because he had been pitching really well, but Kramer on Wednesday night uh, got shellacked. Uh, he allowed six runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, two homers, two doubles, and five singles. He did have five strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, he also issued a hit by pitch. He threw 93 pitches, 58 strikes versus 35 balls. Uh, O's manager Brandon Hyde did get ejected in this game. He got ejected in the top of the fifth, but he did do a uh, post-game session with reporters. This was Hyde on Wednesday night on what happened with Dean Kramer. 
You know, I just think that a couple of the homers were balls elevated. Uh, you know, three-one fastball to uh, Adamas there early. Homer uh, cutter to Weimer was was elevated a little bit, but you have to give those guys credit too. They hit a lot of balls that were on the corners also, and uh, just wasn't our night in really any aspect. That is very true. Uh, the O's on Wednesday night used just one reliever. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman allowed four runs in three innings. All of the runs came in the bottom of the seventh, and the O's did very little offensively. They totaled just two runs, just five hits, and just one walk. All five of the hits were singles, so the biggest bright spot was the return of Gunnar Henderson. Uh, he was back from a two-game absence caused by lower back discomfort. Uh, Henderson, as the Orioles' starting third baseman and number six batter, went one for three with a single. But overall, a bad night for the Birds, who are in danger of suffering what would be their first series sweep of the season. Uh, game three at the Brewers, Thursday afternoon at 2.10. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Get the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 591. We'll provide you with more on the commanders as Thursday is day three of the team's three-day mandatory minicamp. Also on Friday's show, I'll talk Wizards as we on Thursday at noon have the introductory press conference for the president of Monumental Basketball, Michael Winger. And I on Friday's show will talk Nationals and Orioles, and that's on Thursday afternoon at 105 of Game three of a three-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park. The O's on Thursday afternoon at 2.10 have game three of a three-game series at the Milwaukee Brewers. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Make you humble!